has their um, their uh, big actual cutouts. Like they're they're like these big set pieces. Right. Yeah. So welcome to the Penguin. I'm gonna start that again. Welcome to the Penguin Philosophy Podcast. I am here today with Armin Navabi. Hello. He is our um, director of media at um, Penguin Philosophy, and uh, he's started recently, but we've done a lot and have been growing quickly with him and with his help. So uh, thanks for that, Armin. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. So you uh, you did a four-hour <laughs> review of my podcast with Dr. Jordan Peterson. Right. And I, I I caught some of it. I didn't catch the whole thing. I was working out last night while, uh, while listening to it, and you were giving me some inspirational power as I was lifting <laughs> last night and working out. So thanks for that. And, and I think you, uh, you keyed in on some, <laughs> on some important points about Jordan Peterson right. and, uh, and the way he, um, the way he, uh, argues his right. points. Right. So what did you come up with? Well, I mean, I've seen this done by a lot of people. I, I think the reason why, uh, he's, um, he's getting a lot of attention is because he does it in such a um you know powerful way and he uses big words and he just makes it sound interesting but it's a tactic that people have been using for ages i mean the reformist in islam tried to do that as well and they try to make religion um be about something that is not really originally intended to be and then any criticism of what religion actually is in their mind becomes a straw man because that's not what religion is about um and yeah, cuz how many like how many descriptions of religion or of a, a particular religion do we actually have like an infinite amount right, right. well the the main thing about religion is that it makes claims that it it cannot support um and obviously if you base uh, any kind of life based on beliefs that doesn't match reality um i mean it's going to be problematic but they what are what are the problems a lot of people will say oh it's not problematic i i'm a religious believer and i live a perfectly healthy fine life so right you could always point to examples i mean it's pretty i mean it should be it should be obvious i don't know why it, it isn't it, it isn't that if you have a view of a lot of the world and real uh, and, and what reality is in your mind and if the farther that is from how the world actually works um for as a society as a whole, we're going to become less efficient and we're going to be less effective at achieving goals and uh, happiness. And um, and you could you could always point to specific examples here and there. But as a whole, it's pretty obvious that if a, if a society's belief system um, is closer to reality, the more closer to, to reality it is, the more decisions that they make is based on how. I mean, the example is very obvious. If, I, if I'm. Um, if I'm uh, looking, if I'm looking for a, a treasure, and if I have a map that I just made up out, out of nothing that doesn't really uh, represent my surroundings, and if uh, somebody else has actually a map that is based on um, uh, w w exactly what where the mountains are, where the trees are, who's going to be able to figure out where the uh, where the treasure is better? Like uh, this is this is yeah. pretty obvious. Like if I know uh, we're in this world, we want to make achieve some uh, achieve our goals. If we know how things work. 
obviously we're going to be achieve those goals better this is this is uh, the, it's, and people say oh you never know what the truth is yes but there is if, most people agree that there's an objective reality out there and we have a disagreement over whose belief system is closer to that objective reality but even if we never get that to uh, completely understand what the objective reality is some people are closer to it and some people are farther away from it and the closer you are to it the more your decisions are going to be based on what's real and what's not and what people like jordan peterson try to do is they try to make religion um as if it's something that is not making claims about reality as if that's not the point of religion even though uh, most people that are religious they they that's what their religion is about and they they do consider um i mean they say for example, a book like the uh, Bible or the Quran, um, it's not here to make claims about reality. That's what people like Jordan Peterson are trying to suggest. But um, if that's the case, would you agree that if people um, assume that this is real, uh, if they accepted these claims as reality, do you agree that's a problem? But and if that's if that's a problem, um, do you agree that a lot of people do consider these as reality? Yeah. And, and why is Jordan Peterson's interpretation of scripture superior to the person who just looks at it and says, oh, if a man lay with uh, another man as he layeth with a woman, right. let's stone him to death. Uh, yeah. That's that's what it says. We should be doing that if this is the word of God. Right. It, whether it's a metaphorical God or, or a God that can be demonstrated uh, with evidence. Well, well he, would, he would say that for you to understand how profound the Bible is and the, the, to get the, the message that, uh, that, it, uh, that it's trying to convey, you have to really read all these books. You have to be an expert. Yeah, there's a, he has a, like a list of books that you have to read before you can even start to understand. 20 volumes yeah. of no, Nietzsche. Yeah, but that's, <laughs> he says that's only to, 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 to go over, to uh, scratch the surface. You're not yeah. even beginning to understand right. how profound it is. So you'll but, spend a life reading reading your books. You won't have any time to believe in what you're trying to believe in. No, but the, here's the thing. He's actually, to say that, that's a contradiction because he also thinks that the Bible is uh, responsible for a lot of uh, uh, values that we uh, that we have today, a lot of the good values that we have today. But is if 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 to understand the Bible, you have to go through his reading list, or they have to be to the expert. Then how could it possibly be responsible for all these values? Because none of the people that are actually reading the most of Christians that are reading the Bible, they haven't gone through your reading list. They're not experts. I so, bet I bet most people who believe haven't even read one percent of what Jordan Peterson's read. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, and, and, yeah, but it's, it's very interesting. So how could this Bible have encouraged all these values that uh, um, Jordan Peterson thinks it's responsible for? And for and the, the, the amount of expertise and the amount of reading that you have to go through is based on books that are recent books. Like So, so this Bible came without all these other uh, books that Jordan Peterson thinks that we have to read for us to understand. So... So for 2,000 years, or and more, if you consider the Old Testament, it influenced our society without these guides. How did it do that? Because most of us, when you're reading it, we, when, when we think this is, well, this is bullshit, uh, according to him, we're just, we're just looking at it in a very simplistic way. So the Bible managed to influence society, uh, and all these people that, that it influenced weren't looking at it in a simplistic way, or all these people exper experts like that. Yeah. And also... Why isn't he applying his same line of reasoning to Islam? Exactly. Why? Why is he not a Muslim? 
Right. And, and why and why is he not attributing all of these uh, great traits that are left over um, uh, from the this giant reverberation of, of religiosity? Why isn't he attributing any of that to any of the other religions or or, or religions that predate Christianity? And I liked your map analogy mm. because if you're walking around, following around the uh, Game of Thrones map, mm. you're liable to get your fucking head chopped off for being a witch. Right. As opposed to actually being founded in reality. Right. And in the end, you realize that the witch hunter that chopped off your head, that was actually just a person. That wasn't a witch hunter. Right. And you weren't even a witch. Right. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, even if it's even if it's a lot more subtle than that, like say we, we sometimes we come up with the most extreme examples of uh, burning witches or killing gay people. But even if you, the, the reason why a lot of people that are Christians are not doing that or people that are Muslim that are not killing apostates is because they have been influenced by modern values, by enlightenment values. Right. Uh, not because of the, the Quran or uh, or because of uh, the Bible. Uh, but even if even if you just uh, don't do any of that, but you're just spending a lot of time reading the Bible, you go you go spend time uh, in church or in the mosque, you're praying, you're making decisions based on may- maybe believing that God will help you. These are ha- these all have subtle costs. These are times wasted, decisions made based on hope that is maybe false hope. Maybe you think there's an afterlife. You're spending a lot of your time and resources to make sure you have investment for your afterlife. These are these are resources and time wasted okay if you do think that if you don't and even even the subtle understanding that this is not the the, your final life this is not the only life that you have makes has has a lot of um influence on how you treat this life and and not only that this is not the only life that you have but many believe that this is much less important exactly what's going on here because The afterlife is for eternity. Yeah, I mean, that would be the logical conclusion. The logical conclusion would be that this, nothing in this world would matter if this is if this is a temporary life and the next one is eternal. Then why would you and why, why wouldn't you invest all your time and resources to make sure the one the next one is uh, you get the next one right? Yeah, and and just talking about prayer for a moment here, it's it, it, I always say we have a limited amount of intellectual real estate. Um that and i look at it as this giant web wrapping around our planet and this is the human beings intellectual real estate and i see it being eaten at and eaten away every time someone prays right because this is when you when you're praying to a a god and and expecting that there is someone listening and that your prayers may be answered or that your prayers actually have an effect Mm -hmm. On reality you think you've done something exactly you think you've contributed something by praying I'll pray for you oh I, I'm gonna pray for someone who died I, I've done something you haven't done anything you've you've satisfied potentially satisfied a placebo for that person who who knows that you prayed for them or for yourself right but outside placebo I mean uh, you've done nothing so don't fool yourself into thinking that your praying ha- has some uh, positive effect on, on the outcome of stuff. Um, just, you know, 
just because it, you've done it. You, you actually satisfied something that would have been so good if you didn't manage to satisfy because that's the, the fact that you did the, the desire to help other people actually uh, is, is, is a powerful uh, feeling that we have to get get out, you know, get out and actually do something for other uh, for other human beings out there. And, and for you to be able to satisfy that in a, such a, a useless way makes makes that that desire um, that was use, used to be useful to make us survive as a species now useless because you managed to just get rid of it without actually doing anything yeah in a economy driven world if something terrible happens a tragedy or someone dies and i see all this oh pray for them pray for this i'll send my prayers pray that open up your fucking wallet okay Mm. even if you can't give a a lot it's money in these in in these times of absolute tragedy money talks Money relieves stress and takes pressure off people when they need help the most. That's just one example of how you can actually help as opposed to praying. Right. And, you know, the, be, nothing else is treated like this. If, if, if I found out that an insurance company, for example, is a, is a fraud and if something happens, they're not going to be covering me. And some, I found out that my friend uh, is also like... I go switch to another insurance company. And then if I find out that my friend is actually now signed up with them, I'm not going to be like, well, whatever works for them. Uh, at least it's giving them hope. At least they have a positive. No, nobody, nobody would think that that's a good thing. Everybody would like, no, you have to tell your friend that this insurance company is a fraud. But for some reason, for religion, we make that excuse. Because well, it's le- make-believe. Right, yeah. Because we don't see. It's like uh, we make the excuse because it, it, when, when people do, when do, people do pray, there's nothing's going on they're just wasting their breath and time essentially right but but the thing is that the people that even the people that don't that do understand that this is make-believe and this is not real they make excuses for religion but they wouldn't make the same excuse for any other type of fraud yeah and they're not recognizing the harm exactly. they're just they're just saying oh i don't see the immediate effects of it because it is fucking bullshit hmm. So that they're, they're, they don't think it's harming anything or harming anyone. And then their little kid is looking up at them seeing, oh, why are you praying, mommy? Are you? That is a form of indoctrination and that is a bad teaching right. for your child. It, it, it's that, and it's also because religion has managed to use a, such a powerful defense mechanism to see, to to kind of convince the society that even if you don't believe in religion, there's something to respect here. There's something honorable in faith, in religion, uh, and even people that don't believe in religion have, have bought into that, and they think like even if I don't believe in this, is not an area where, can, where I can criticize. This is something that we should respect. This like culture, like as part of people's identity, and religion has managed to do that so effectively because it doesn't have logical defense this is the best line of you know this is exactly how other people with views that are indefensible we see that from uh, the social justice warriors or the regressive left when they have positions that are not defensible then you you try to claim that it's offensive if you if you if you question these things and religion has been doing that for ages right for and um, especially not in places where it's in power because in places where in power you could just make it a crime for you to criticize it but in places where it's a minority or in places where it's secular and it's not in power then the defense mechanism because it it can't stand a chance against logic it can't stand a chance against logic the, the defense mechanism is that 
this is not something that you should be able, you should criticize. Yeah, and obviously my dog Toto agrees, agrees with you. Yeah. He's been on the <laughs> podcast a few times. You'll hear <laughs> his little toenails walking around in the background. Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's uh, these, especially the the regressive left, the way they defend Islam. Mm. This is this is just it just baffles me that especially because there's 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 so many that claim to be feminists in the regressive left right. and except that feminism does not apply to um women who are trapped in a faith right they 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 try to say that who are we to decide for them this is the values they try to the values that they want for us is um is not the same values that they want for themselves and that's what they claim it seems like they're speaking on behalf of all women in in other countries in islamic countries but yeah well why don't why don't they go over there and try it out no they say it, their their excuse is that these are the values these are values for us they they have a different set of values what, yeah. so what's good so, for us is not good for them which is basically the bigotry of lower expectations yeah exactly yeah. i i i challenge those people that say that Hmm. Go try it out for a while. Right. See how you like it. See how you like having your rights taken away and have your rights dictated by someone else. Right. I, I mean, they're, they're right. Uh, I mean, the people that uh, the women that were in the West, they did, they didn't enjoy the rights that they enjoy today for a very long time, and they they they, they fought for it. I mean, when, and they, when they did f- uh, fight for it, um, they they were a minority. Most women were against them. Uh, like, so so even it, 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 when it comes to voting as well like it was a very small amount of exactly w- women that wanted the right to vote so. exactly but and so the women in these islamic countries when they're fighting for these rights if you point out that they're a minority but they w- they're now in the same um position that you that your countries were just 50 years ago and instead of encouraging that you're you're basically now on the side of the uh, the oppressors and the side of uh, exactly the opposite side of the uh, of women uh, that uh, fought, fought for the rights that you enjoy today and you pr- pretend to uh, defend, you're actually now on the wrong side. You're on the wrong side of the, the people that exact that brought to you exactly everything that you claim to be standing for. Now you're you're supporting people that are against all those values. So congratulations. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I really encourage people to think about their position when it comes to seeing an enslaved sex essentially right and and uh, come come to their rescue don't make up excuses for the slaveholders right like come on um so do you think here's a question for you did mohammed exist well okay so there are references the only historical references that are uh, for sh- that are out there are are some military campaigns that was reported by by the um, the the Byzantine and the Sassanid empires around it. Um, there was no, there's there's not a, a very there's not a historical verified historical reference to him directly. The only, uh, but nobody has yet. This is something that people haven't questioned yet, but they ha- they're starting to question because ev- almost all historians assumed that it was uh, he was there. Um, I the thing when I talk about Muhammad, I talk about Muhammad the, uh, Muhammad the, char- 
the character as it's accepted in uh, Islamic canon. Right. So it's basically it's even if he wasn't real, um, you can you can talk about the character of Muhammad just like you could you could criticize Voldemort. The only difference is that this character of Muhammad is something that Muslims consider uh, a model for living your life. So it's more important even to criticize it, right? But but um, but I. I'm um, I'm on the side that he's real because if you read the hadith and if you read, read the stories, read the what the hadith, which is basically the um, the sayings of Muhammad, and if you follow the sunnah, which is the Muhammad's life and his story, um, the 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 hadith. So hadith is basically um, the Quran is the scripture from a Muslim, and hadith is basically the sayings and life of Muhammad. And people think uh, most Muslims like agree. That you need both. You need the Quran and the Hadith to be a proper Muslim because the the Quran doesn't have that much uh, rules uh, in it. Most of Islamic rules come from the Hadith, which is the sayings and the sayings of Mah- of the Prophet, right? So if you if you read all the stories of Muhammad and all the all the Hadith, uh, it you it seems very human, right? It seems like there is a lot of inconvenient. Um, sayings and stories that doesn't make him look really good sometimes and that's just that's the only reason why i think that uh, not look good because uh, not look good, uh, good in an islamic sense because there are a lot of things that we think it look makes him look bad but muslims think it makes him look good look good as in he makes him look human makes him look un, um, insecure makes him look not very powerful makes him look like people are second guessing him and it seems like these these kind of hadiths makes me think that the, some of these stories seem to be true because it would be very convenient more convenient if you just uh, wrote, wrote it differently for example when 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 a lot of people ask muhammad for miracles um he a, a lot of times he denies them a miracle and he says if i show you like miracles um then if you after that if you don't believe then you're really screwed because other prophets showed um, had big miracles and then after the miracles if people don't believe then they had no excuses so i'm doing you a favor that i'm not showing you big miracles the quran is miracle enough basically uh, if you if i was writing the, if i was just writing that out of n- um, nothing i would just put miracles like like i would just put stars falling right um, you know rivers something coming. to make it more believable something to to make it sound cool to everyone that's going to read it oh he did this and right yeah, yeah. or or when, when when muhammad had uh, verses coming down that was really convenient uh, his wife aisha at some point is like god seems to just bring down verses ex- exactly when you need it the most like it's very con- seems to be very <laughs> convenient so there's hadith that his wife is mentioning that so i was like why would that why would they what, why is this there? Why would this seem to be in the story? So that's just my guess. I'm not sure if I'm right or not. But these kind of stories um, suggest to me that maybe these are based on real stories because it would be much more convenient if it wasn't there. Yeah. Right. And he, uh, Muhammad was this warlord, right? Well, it depends um, on which. At, uh, so there is two uh, part of his story. There was the uh, Meccan time of his story and then the Madani part of his story. So he... Uh, around half of his prophethood was in the city of Mecca where he was born and uh, raised and then he was exiled to Medina Um, when he was why was he exiled well okay so he um, when 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 he became a prophet he came to uh, in Mecca uh, there was it was a very 
you know, tolerant society actually before Muhammad because uh, all religions were accepted in Mecca. In fact, Mecca, uh, the the Qurayshi tribe which was in Mecca was made a lot of money from all the um, caravans that came to pray to the gods at the Kaaba because the Kaaba was uh, before Islam was a place where there was a lot of different idols from all the many different gods. So any any god that you want, they have the, they have an idol for it, and uh, there were Mother Mary and all the others. So basically, a lot of a lot of caravans made a detour to make sure that they come here uh, at first because it was just the gods there to, to come and pray and stuff. But then it became such a convenient place to trade with other people because everybody was meeting there, and the Qureshi tribe that had the Mecca um, uh, ruled over Mecca. They basically collected a lot of tax and income from all the uh, trade that was happening in there, and that was their entire source of, well, most of their source of the source of their income, right? So when Muhammad uh, uh, became a prophet, uh, he he basically said, um, "All these gods are fake; just only Allah is the real God." Uh, and this was, um, you know, they couldn't just kill him because he was part of a tribe, and they were like, um, there was. They were, you know, they didn't want so When they say Allah, they mean Yahweh, right? Um, so yeah, so so because Muhammad was fo- uh, was fo- making his religion based on Judaism, right? Right. Yeah. So that's why the first part of the Quran is very uh, focused on Judaism. Like most of the stories are from Moses and Abraham. Um, right, right. So that's why that's why um, the Muslims don't eat pig. Yeah. That's why uh, Muhammad, before they started, before Muhammad, uh, Muslims prayed towards the Kaaba, they used to pray towards Jerusalem because that was, the, that's where the temple was. So he switched it later um, when he was disappointed with the Jews. When I'm speaking with Christians and I point out, uh, they're like, they have the wrong God. I'm like, well, they're worshiping the same God that you're worshiping. Right. Just in a different way. Right. And, right. They're, and, and the look on their face that they won't believe they right. won't believe that but if they if they were to do a little bit of research they would realize that you know what's referred to as Yahweh right is so, yeah well yeah that's, that's uh, my very Canadian pronunciation of it <laughs> so actually um, when yeah so my, my, in Islam um, the Abrahamic God is the God that they worship. The, only, the difference I have with Christianity is that they don't believe Jesus was the Son of God. They believe Jesus was one of the uh, prophets of God. There, there are many. God has many prophets throughout history. The first one they think it was Adam, um, and there are five main ones. And from the five uh, main ones, the last one is Muhammad, and one of them is Jesus. They think that Jesus is going to come back one day. Uh, in the, at the end of times, and uh, you know, and be in the Islamic army, and so the Jews call Jesus the false prophet, right? So, so uh, Muhammad expected that when he goes to Medina, and he there was a lot of Jews in Medina, and he expected that when he goes there, they will accept him as the Messiah that they were waiting for, because he knew something a little bit about Judaism. So he expected that you know he was going to go there, and he's going to convince them that the, you you're waiting for a Messiah, and I am it. Uh, and but what he didn't know is that they they were waiting for a Jew. Uh, they were an Arab could not be the Messiah that they were waiting for. And he kept on trying to convince them that they got it wrong. Uh, it doesn't matter what race you know. It doesn't matter if it's Jew or not. I'm the prophet you're waiting for. And he, no, I thought you were actually going to say something along the lines of they went to like the swimming hole to go swimming, <laughs> and they were expecting this giant penis to be revealed when he pulled his pants down to go swimming, and then it was just a very average sized penis. And then they were like, "This can't be our Messiah." <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
but <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but actually, that actually the reason why um, in Islam you have circumcision is because Ma, uh, Muhammad made his religion after Judaism. So that as well. was a good segue. <laughs> <laughs> But he 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 became he went from being very pro-Jewish to being very anti-Jewish uh, after the disappointment that he had. Actually, he actually uh, killed a whole bunch of Jews in just one day. Um, it was one of the you know one of the most uh, bloodiest day that of Muhammad's ruling, which was very different from his uh, first half of his ruling, which was. Uh, the first half of his ruling in Mac, uh, prophethood, he was very t- he was, all the verses in the Quran, oh, not all of them, well, most of them seem more tolerant, more loving, uh, more accepting. But then when he became a ruler in Medina, he took over Medina, right? Um, then uh, it seems to be more coming from a position of authority and power, and he was more angry and he was more con- more con- condemning. Um, it was more rule based, l- m- less focus on God's love, more focus on God's wrath. So his attitude completely changed once he beca- uh, once uh, he was in power. Um, yeah, and 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 in a, it's interesting uh, the, when when the that's when he di- when the Jews didn't make, uh, agree um, follow his religion. That's when he decided to uh, pray, uh, make everybody switch towards the Kaaba uh, and pray towards that. Or before that, everything was based on Judaism. So this sounds like the story of a shikester. Trying to convince people <laughs> of his fucking, his abilities, but right. you know he's got to go around to these places and try to convince people. When really, if he was the real thing, right, he could convince them. Well, right? I, I think he was a Jordan Peterson type of guy because a lot of people <laughs> no he, he could he, like he's like he had a lot of charisma, and I think that's why people uh, followed him. I mean, uh, he went from being just a shepherd to being to being all of a sudden married to this really rich woman. Uh, and then from being being from being rich to being coming the king of all Arabs, like he did, he did good good for himself. Would that be would that be a comic that would really piss off ISIS <laughs> if um, if we had Jordan Peterson cheersing uh, Mohammed? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. ISIS is uh, yeah, but I think it would m- more likely offend Jordan Peterson. <laughs> well, I, th- I always tell people to risk being offensive. It's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is just, it's, it's this, um, yeah, entangled story. It sounds like a soap opera. It just, it starts with Mohammed (laughs) dancing around, trying to make people believe he's something that he's not. And then at the end, he just comes out of the closet and says, I'm gay. (laughs) That's the end of the sitcom. Like I, it's, I am, I'm just baffled that people actually believe this and, and it, but in some ways, like he, he he just seems like much more relatable to me than than Jesus. Right. Um. I mean, the difference. Uh, okay. Let's assume both of these stories are true. Jesus. Sure. And, but like historically, not like in a supernatural way. Yeah. It seems to me the difference between uh, Muhammad and Jesus was that both of them were rebels against the uh, rulers of their city at the time. Uh, the only difference is that Jesus failed and got crucified, and Muhammad succeeded. Right, right, and I, I wonder if if the Jesus stories, like Jesus, not as a god, but just as a person that was like a, reb, a rebel, if he succeeded, if he was, if he did manage to gain power, maybe he would also switch from saying just give Caesar whatever he's owed to all of a sudden changing his position as from a position of power, he might have been, acted more like Muhammad, right? I don't know. We'll, right. We would see, but I mean, let's let's throw Jesus and Muhammad into the seventies. 
Jesus has flowers and he's putting flowers in the guns for sure. And what's Muhammad doing? Um, actually, I, I don't know. I wouldn't agree with that. Jesus, a lot of people think that the New Testament is more lovey-dovey compared to the Old Testament. I think the New Testament is worse than the Old Testament. Well, I agree. I agree uh, with that. But what right. I'm saying is that, so he's putting flowers in the guns. Right. But some of these hardcore hippies right. were also throwing punches. Right. So I think, I think you know, the, the character of Jesus wasn't outside throwing a punch, really. And I think, no. um, you know, saving souls was key. Mm. to jesus right right i i just i just see that and uh that was kind of the his stick and whatever he had to do to do it but he wasn't i mean violent well i mean if he if you based on the if you accept christian doctrine jesus is god and the new testament is brings the concept of uh, hell into the bible right and if if you accepted the teachings, then okay, you're not hurting people in this in this world, and then you're burning them for eternity, just because they didn't accept your message. I think that's pretty violent. Yeah. So it's a it's essentially the uh, the horror movie that starts off with the little girl getting this beautiful <laughs> porcelain doll, and yeah, this yeah. doll can't do any harm. Exactly. Oh, yeah. wait till nighttime. Right. Wait till you go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a very good example. I mean, the God of the Old Testament, at least, at least it was. It seemed very angry and um, kept on murdering nations and killed the whole the whole planet at one point. But at least whatever torment it did on people was just for one lifetime. Brain cancer in kids. Right. Like, can you beat that? Like, that is the epitome of evil. Right. Brain can like brain cancer in kids, uh, children getting flesh eating bacteria, um, uh, you know, brain infections in children, like like hurting, killing children, allowing uh, uh, children to be raped. Where's the divine intervention? Um, these are the, these are the things that you have to accept. Right. I mean, the only thing more evil than that is the concept of burning people forever. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, in a place you cannot escape or seemingly can't escape. Who knows? It's imaginary. Right. Ask Jordan Peterson. He'll think up an idea right. of how to escape. Right. And in the metaphorical truth version, which is, of a, hell, contra- which is a contradiction, you can you can think your own stuff up and you can get out. Right. Right. I mean the the way that people get um, the people explain this. I mean, if you use Jordan Peterson kind of tactics to explain the Bible way, I could use the same tactics on Mein Kampf. I could read the Mein Kampf and just make it uh, make the whole thing a metaphor. The what? Mein Kampf by Hitler. Oh yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, so yeah. I could make the whole thing sound. Uh, if make the whole thing a metaphor. Hitler did. He obviously to some people. I I gotta believe that some people were like. This is a metaphor. We're not actually going to go fucking kill Jews. Right. No. Like, you know, there had to be some convincing of, of, you know, like, oh, you know, I think what he's saying is true up there. No, he, here's how we could do, like look at it. We could be like, you know, 
you don't understand what he means by the Aryan race. He's not talking about a specific ethnicity. He's talking Aryan race represents our humanity. He's talking about the humanity within all of us. Right, That's what right. he's talking about. So I mean, the moderate, can, so the <laughs> moderates are sitting there. Yeah, I, I can get on board with that. That's okay. <laughs> oh wait, there's a fucking ditch of bodies over there. What the fuck have I done? And this is what happens, though. It, it's a good analogy to where we're at with some issues that that the the people who are afraid to offend people right are the ones sitting to the side saying well i mean you know they're, they're not hurting anyone with their beliefs over there it's uh it's let's just let them have their beliefs it's their life it's their culture how about you pull up your bootstraps and you introduce them with some good ideas and and or better ideas because we have a way to distinguish uh bad ideas from good ideas right I mean, this I, this concept of at least they're not hurting anybody is such a weak argument because it, it, it kind of suggests that people don't uh, value the truth or value knowing the truth because it doesn't matter if people uh, believe in the truth or not. As long as, their belief system, as long as you don't see their belief system as a threat, you don't want to inform them about reality. The, pro the problem is that if people accept claims without... Uh, evidence then you don't really have a filter over what gets in and what gets out right because if 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 you remove that barrier today it's something that you find not harmful tomorrow it's going to be something else the example i give is like uh, imagine if people believe in zodiac signs and believe that the stars determine their Many personality do. yeah and other people think that well okay that's not very harmful show me the number of people that died from that ideology but here's the problem it, the same kind of people that would accept that kind of viewpoint are the same kind of people that would accept that vaccines so, cause autism yeah right? so anti-science so exactly. so anti-science like the zodiac signs the star signs whatever these are and this is what I say when I when I talk about this giant blanket of uh, intellectual real estate covering the planet. Right. And these are the things that eat away at it. And that's why I always start off most of my speeches by saying the world is plagued by anti-science and unreasonable behavior. Right. And that that is the crap that eats away at that intellectual real estate. And these are anti-scientific ways of thinking now if you want to be someone uh, that sits back and doesn't worry about anti-science because it doesn't seem to be harming you well do you like your um laptop do you like flying in planes do you like your cars do you like do you like all the technology that you get to enjoy well this is because we have the scientific method which builds models based on the evidence of reality and, and the evidence we derive from reality. That's how we prosper. So you are in fact getting in the way by allowing anti-scientific nonsense to dictate your life. It doesn't help us. So, and you don't need it. And, and people always say, well, people need something to believe in. No, what you're actually saying is, so you have to fundamentally understand that um, we are pleasure-driven beings. Pleasure drives us to do everything, everything that we do. So once you understand that, you understand that you are at the mercy of that pleasure. So you're obviously finding pleasure in, in these things, these, these anti-scientific beliefs, but why not find that pleasure in science or in art? Because with art, 
you know, it gives you that charge. And I talked to Jordan Peterson about this. It gives you that inspirational charge that you get from things like religion or from Zodiac signs and all this stuff. You can use art to replace that feeling. So you can't make the argument to say that, well, I just don't get a, a sense of wonder or, or feeling. Come on. Scientific discovery and, and exploring what is actually here in reality if you you have to be able to find wonder in that there's that's just for a lack of trying when we look out at space which is all around us like get go look through a telescope and tell me that you don't see wonder right it's it's at our disposal we don't have to you know engage in imaginary belief systems and try to attribute those to reality there's enough there's enough in reality to satisfy this right and and you know the the danger with people that say that they are let people enjoy these things if it if they're not harming anybody is is that you have to understand that these these dogmatic d destructive ideas this is the position they take when they are threatened by better ideas they take a back seat and they use people like majid nawaz or jordan peterson to to try to to try to represent them as something else but the, the core ideas will stay there in like in in the bible and the quran and then people like jordan peterson and or majid nawaz will provide a cover for it because it's being threatened try to represent it as something not harmful and let, let people that don't believe in it gi give it a pass. Uh, but as long as they there, as long as people are taking it seriously, it could always come back. And you know, as long as people are believing in this nonsense without evidence, then some people eventually might, might take it seriously because you're not letting it die. And and people that don't think that it will ever have have a comeback, I, I tell them to look at history. Islam was dying a slow death in the Middle East until the 1979 Islamic Revolution. The ideas. The ideas in uh, Shia Islam doesn't even allow, didn't even used to allow uh, Islam in government. But because people believe in, in, in nonsense, is, Shia Islam was supposed to be sec secular, according to most Shias. So they were supposed to wait for the Imam Mahdi to come before Islam could have any role in government. Uh, but, but as soon as they, but as, right after 19, 1979 revolution, they just, because they have magic in their hand, because they have superstition, when they were in a position to take advantage of this ideology, all they had to do is introduce the concept of Vilayat Faqih, which conveniently allowed them to now be in, in a position of power and, and be in government. This is the problem with superstition and, um, you know, having <laughs> making decisions based on um, magic because I mean, these things are so much more flexible than reality you know reality is not flexible facts are not flexible at all uh, but when you have when you have the uh, you know religion on your side yesterday you might uh, you know you um, the ideology was that you shouldn't be in government tomorrow you come up with a ruling and you change that and you you claim that this, it was like this for 1400 years this is the whole problem with making uh, giving these kind of superstitions and these kind of ideas a pass because when they when they need to they will they will be there for people that will misuse them don't when if they're dying don't let people that are providing uh, cover for these uh, ideologies don't let them misrepresent how destructive these are as long as they're not based on evidence and as long as they're not based on rationality no matter how uh, how harmless you find them 
you can give them a pass. If something is false, if something is not based on reality, if something is not true, we will fight it no matter how harmless you think it is. Right. So that would be your biggest beef that you have with Majid Nawaz. Well, yeah. Anybody that basically tries to uh, cover get co- this co- cover for these dangerous ideologies. There are many who disagree with you right. as far as reforming Islam. And some of the, I mean, we've heard Sam Harris talk about this. We've heard Majid talk about this a lot. Um, and, and the argument given is that the basic argument is um, essentially in the meantime, before, you know, we can win over minds with reason and, and mm-hmm. have them, you know, stop, stop believing in garbage, um, that we can at least stop people from hurting people or, or killing people. But look at, okay, so this is kind of, I think Majid himself, I think, coined this, but I think he himself is now doing the bigotry of lower expectation because uh, we we look at uh, Christians and we look at people uh, in the Western world uh, and we introduce them to atheism and we a- asked uh, whether, uh, why would you believe in God if there are evidence? But when it comes to Muslim, we think they're not ready. We think maybe they're too, are we, are we, do we think that they are le- less rational or... Uh, like we're treating them like children as if like you know you're too you're too stupid to understand that these are baseless claims all we could hope for is to replace your baseless superstition with a different set of superstition that might be less harmful to us are they saying that they're too stupid or or are they simply just saying we understand uh, the way the belief system is ingrained in you and and you you know you've been indoctrinated no but why is it different from people here why is it? Why is it? Why is the Islam uh, communities? Um, yeah, well, you, you're saying you're saying why aren't we trying to reform Christianity over here rather than than ending yeah, it? Yeah. The, the thing is, I think they are actually people in the Islamic world are more ready for atheism than than here mm-hmm. because they've been suffering. They they are ready to look at alternatives right. and 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 you know I think it's introducing people. Uh, to atheism uh, in a country where atheism is around 2% is much more, you're going to have much higher return on your efforts than in a country that is 10 or 12%. Because a lot of people that aren't atheists are only not atheists because they have never considered them as an option. Right, and as soon as you do, you see that for many people over there, it just clicks. And that's why, actually, if you look at, I'm not just. This is not just a theory. You could just look at the result. The result is that the ex-Muslim community is growing significantly. Like just from two years ago, the number, the number of people that you see on social media, the number. I think you've. I I, I'm gonna say that I think you, personally, have contributed a lot to that, through your platforms, uh, through Atheist Republic. And through, you know, the secular jihadist podcasts, which everyone should actually check out. Um, but I think you have contributed, and the people you've you've brought together um, uh, to talk about these things. I think you've contributed a lot to getting young people to um, start listening to other arguments. Well, I mean, I mean, if you look at if you look at the process, it's so much easier and it's working. If you, when you go and tell people wh- why do you f- you, why do you think there's a God? There's a lot of people that are doubting this, but 
go and try and tell people that this verse that it tells you that you should beat your wife means something else. This verse that tells you that non-believers are going to burn forever means something else. This verse that means something else. This verse means it, those gymnastic arguments. I mean, you they look at the verses and they're like, no, you think I'm an idiot? I can read this, like, you know, I, I know what it says. Yeah. And you're treating them, you are treating them like idiots, as making every verse try to mean something else. And they know that you're trying. I mean, this is why the, the reform movement doesn't have a Muslim following. The, the following that it has is people that were already peaceful, already nice Muslims that are, are looking at these verses. They desperately wanted, wanted to meet something else, mean something else. And they're believing these, they're trying to, they, they follow this ideology because they were already accepting superior values to Islam and they just don't want to make Islam be in contradiction to that. They, you're not convincing anybody out of these viewpoints. Most of the most of the fans of the reform reform leaders are not even Muslims. These are atheists that think that Muslims are not ready to be an to be right. atheists, and most of their fans are atheists. If you look at so why can't uh, why can't Majid see this? I don't know. What 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 do you think is his blocker? Like why is he why is he convinced that this can work? Because he's because there's he's seen people, you know he's seen it work on people. I don't. I, I, if he has, he's not have sure. You see, have you seen any evidence no. of this working? I, I, I my friend, uh, my co-host at Secular Jihadist, I asked, um, I asked him, how many Muslims do you know that, um, uh, that look at uh, the Quran and think that it actually means uh, something else? It means all the it's, it's it's completely in line with all enlightenment values and all that. And he's like, oh, I, he was trying to say that it's a lot. So he was trying to convince me that this works at that time. Now he doesn't anymore. But at that time, he was like, I actually know a lot of people, at least 100. And they're like, well, okay, and how many people you know that once they look at the Quran, they, uh, they're ex-Muslims now, they completely abandoned it. And then he said, oh, thousands, thousands. And then I said from that, from that, from the people that you know that are reform, <laughs> call themselves reformist Muslims, were these fundamentalist Muslims before? They weren't. They were already people that had other superior values to Islam, and they were just looking for excuses to say why their views are Islamic. People that were fundamentalist Muslims that changed their views, they're ex-Muslims now. Right. Well, it it just baffles me then that someone like someone as smart as as Majid. Nawaz hmm. that he would he I mean he is using all almost of his intellectual real estate on this idea of reform and I'm going to get a chance to t uh, speak with him soon right. in August okay um, when I'm in uh, actually this isn't even public information yet <laughs> but I'm going to be in and around Majid Nawaz in August somewhere far away um, this will all become clear soon. Right. Maybe, actually, you know what? By the time this podcast is released, maybe we'll we'll release this one next. Um, but by the time this is released, um, you will all probably know what I'm talking about. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So, what about people like Yasmin Muhammad? What right. do, What does she mean to the movement right now? Uh, we are actually in the works of setting up some live speaking dates with her right uh, right now. And you're, you're um, playing a big role in that. Um, let's not talk about the date specifically and let's just add that as a little, um, 
little bait for people to nibble on. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what? It, so she's she comes from a really interesting perspective. Right. I, I mean, she, her sto- her story is telling in so many different ways. First of all, uh, she was uh, raised in Canada, and yet she uh, she was ro- raised in a fundamentalist uh, Muslim uh, family. Uh, and which shows that really the I- ideas don't know any borders. She was um, uh, her family married her, married her to um, an right hand man uh, that uh, in Al Qaeda right hand man of Bin Laden, and um, I don't actually know wh- how many of this is public knowledge, so I'm going to stop telling most of her story. But um, you know her book is coming out soon, so. Um, and she talks about her story there. You don't, yeah, no spoilers here. Yeah, no spoilers. Here. <laughs> but, I mean, it, it sh- to me, it shows how, you know, now she's an she's an a- ex-Muslim atheist, and she's one, uh, you know, an athe- um, an activist, right? Um, and she's one of the people leading them in the, in the movement, right? And she's an inspiration to a lot of women that are also, that are leaving Islam as well. And uh, stories like her, I, you know, and this, and the people that admire Yasmin, uh, the hundreds and thousands of women that are admiring and looking up to her and admiring her, a lot of them in secret, a lot of them can't even mention that they that they that they admire her. There are so many of them um, th- uh, that we see uh, on, on a daily basis that we know. Uh, how much people are le- how, how much the potential for people leaving this ideology like when you see her following when you see the people that are, she's influencing you know that her advocacy and her activism is making a difference but we don't see the same uh, same examples the same numbers the same number of people that used to be like oh yeah i used to be isis now i'm a reformist muslim right, right? You don't see that. In fact, we talk to a lot of people that used to be the same idea of, uh, this had the same ideas of ISIS and our Al Qaeda, and, th- and guess what they are now? They're atheists. Right. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's. I mean, how inspirational must that be? Right. For those who are feel trapped, you know, but back in your home country and and a lot of other places. Right. Uh, when they feel trapped in these relationships with, with, uh, Muslim men, um, that they're just, they would rather be dead than be in. Um, and then they see someone like, like Yasmin, uh, make it out of such a insane situation. Right. Like that is, that's gotta be inspirational. And, and we need to do a bigger, better job. And I, and I mean me personally too, to make sure that we promote those kind of stories. Exactly. And, yeah. and, sh- and she is a very important person exactly. moving forward to help inspire women all around the world uh, and show them that if they are in a situation that they feel like they will never, ever be able to escape from, she is a living example of how you can get out of the worst situations. What's right. her Twitter handle? Um, it's at confession, c- confessions of uh, ex-Muslim. But if you just search for Yasmin Muhammad on Twitter, that should be their first. Yasmin Muhammad. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's uh, that's great. And and I look forward to doing many events right. um, with Yasmin. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see. Um, I c- and I can't wait for her book to come out because um, she goes into a lot more detail in that one. 
and yeah and you know and you're so right i mean the thing is for example when we do the secular jihadist podcast which is um, uh, myself and ali rizvi uh two ex-muslims um we see the numbers we see that a lot of people from saudi arabia are downloading it a lot of people from egypt are downloading it for a lot of people from pakistan are downloading it downloading it so we know that the, there, there, there's a demand for this when so atheist republic the number two country that is a, is a facebook page with um, one point uh, nine million followers the number one two m- country that our fa- that fan base comes from is pakistan this is wow. atheist republic the number two country on the list of the fan uh, of our fans uh, then uh, is is pakistan so tell me where where are you seeing that in the reform movement yeah do you think in pakistan right now i mean you'll know is it like like just i'm just talking like amongst like young people right is it badass to be an atheist there (laughs) yeah this is why i don't like it is that what do you think some of them are just like they say they're an atheist just so that they can get the 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 you know the the women who are attracted to the badass or the, women, <laughs> or the men who are attracted to the badass or is it you know or do they not play lightly with those terms i don't i i, I don't know about that but this is why this is why i don't like it when people say when they say i'm brave i'm like i'm i'm in canada why is it that's not brave. There are people in Bangladesh yeah. that are atheist activists. There are people in Pakistan that are atheist activists. That yeah. is brave. They're not saying you're brave because you know you're an you're an ex-Muslim, an out ex-Muslim. They're saying that you're brave because at any point in time, a big fucking bear can come around the corner. And <laughs> <your ass. laughs> a Muslim bear. Yeah, or you'll fucking goose uh, thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'll edit that. <laughs> I was going to say something terrible. <laughs> I won't say it this time. Um, yeah, it's it's a fucking wild world. We it, and now it it seems to me is ISIS like dwindled down to just a couple of douches uh, in some <laughs> of those like smashed down cities. Yeah, but the ideology is still there. The thing is, the branding is going is different. So it sometimes ISIS is just the organization behind an underlying ideology yeah, that yeah, exists yeah. there. Um, it's you know, it's just like an organization <laughs> that that is like comes up with a new brand based on this. Uh, the thing is, even if once the once the whole system falls apart, even it hasn't completely fallen apart yet, but even if it the people that believe those views and uh, is still there, right? And it might be even bigger than before, and um, and it, it it will manifest itself in in different ways. Again, you know, you can't you can't the, you can't bomb an maybe, ideology. So maybe this is why um, Majid and 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 Sam and others feel that that reforming Islam, it it's much more important to focus on that, and and, it, and it's really not a good analogy to post to, to point at. Well, why aren't we just reforming Christianity as well? Because because I mean, you have to agree that one results in more violence in this day and age. Yeah, definitely. The thing is that ref- the, the concept of reform is actually uh, hurting us tackle Islam because it's a cover. It's a cover for the po- po- poison pill of Islam. 
basically and, and the audience of the uh, reforming Islam are not really Muslims it's mostly non-Muslims right and basically people that could have athe people within the atheist movement that could have been on our side would have gone to these Muslims and challenged their views now with this cover this shiny cover it seems like uh, there's you know there's a potential for Islam 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 is you know there uh, you don't have to destroy it maybe we could change it I get I get what you're saying because it's like say you're 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 throwing reason grenades right like big fucking reason grenades at where these people are living right and the reformists are kind of putting up this protective blanket and blocking out those reason grenades saying hold on stop the grenades right we're working on this yes as opposed to just hitting them with the reason grenades exactly and, and now those reason grenades what sam and majid would probably say are going to be fucking uh defective once they land no they're not going to hit and yeah. what you're saying is let the reason grenades explode right and that's the way we're going to kill some uh, kill some anti-science and and unreasonable behavior right. is by allowing those grenades to land and and blow up and they're all not going to work but they're going to uh, work for some people but so maybe uh will you concede that maybe we haven't give reform given reform enough resources or time oh we have been giving it enough uh, as a, a chance for th uh, more than a thousand years actually yeah. and it always it always basically as long goes into this whenever it's threatened it goes into this phase where it's just undercover and then comes back and, and, and much more powerful and a, and a much greater force uh, he, he, here's an example like let's say after world war ii we were like okay fuck nazism okay Fuck Nazism. Yeah, this is I want to say it too. Right. Fuck Nazism. Right. But <laughs> what if some people came forward like, hold on, not, let's not completely dismiss this. Let's instead of, you know, destroying Nazism, let's reform Nazism. OK, let's take this book and try to reinterpret it in a different way, in a peaceful way. Let's just keep this now. You know, not all Nazis are evil. Do like, you think all Germans were bad? All, do you think all Germans are again want to kill gas Jews? Really? All Germans? No. This is an idea. You have to respect people's ideas. These people are not ready to just overnight give up this ideology. Let's go there and just introduce a new uh, form of Nazism, okay? And just be like, my, don't throw away my can't keep it, but let's just read it in a different way. And let's, basically what you're doing... Let's you not send the military, let's send the hippies. <laughs> That's what you're saying. No, but I'm saying... No, let's send the teachers, right? What yeah. I'm saying is that you're helping this book survive, this, this barbaric, this... This, this this destructive book you're promoting it when you promote the Quran when you make excuses for Quran well I don't I, I wouldn't say they're promoting it they're prom you're not letting it die but no but so, so 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 right. but so Sam Harris is a guy that would like to see Islam eradicated right so he's doing his best to to fight for that right but he's also saying that those who feel like they can they they want to go for a reform go ahead he, he's right? a, that's what people always tell me it's like nobody's stopping it, uh, a, a reformist activist from doing what they're doing we're yeah. just trying to argue against so it. i'm just saying that sam harris is not promoting well if islam. you're promote if you're promoting reforming islam you're promoting islam and if you're promoting Islam, you're promoting the Quran. 
And if you're promoting the Quran, you're promoting a book that tells you how to that you should beat your wife if you if you fear disobedience. You're promoting a book that tells you to to capture women in war as slaves. You're promoting a, a book that tells you how to treat your slaves. You're promoting a book that thinks that non uh, people that don't believe in a book in that book deserve deserve eternal torture. Such a, right. so that's the if you're promoting reforming Islam, that's what you're promoting. Yeah, it, I mean, I. So, in an, you would agree that it's not in a direct way, they're not promoting it, right? But because they are, it, it's like, do you think everyone has the capacity to go after Islam at its core? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And and you think that our like I was talking about earlier, our intellectual real estate is only so much and we should be de devoting that for winning this war of ideas with Islam. Exactly. Actually, that's, that's a very good point. This, a lot of people say, why not try everything? You know, some, something I like, you know, we have limited resources, limited time. It's really hard to get the attention of people. You know, you know, as a content provider, how hard it is to get people's attention, right? And how much time and resources goes to figuring this out. And once you get someone's attention, right? You, you, have, you, have, you have to decide what you're gonna do with that attention, right? And I, just because, you know, you feel like this might work, right? Well, if, if, if you have someone's attention, why wouldn't you go with something that has the highest return on your investment. You manage to get these people attention. Go with what what works the best. And what works the best is asking people, how do you know this is real? That's what works. It what what works is not like, hey, have you this this verse that says that you should all of this means something else. All of this means something else. For 1400 years, everybody that read this book got it wrong. I know what this means. Listen to me. Do you really think do you think that tactics that tactic works? That tactic does not work. Okay? You got these people's attention. You know, people like Richard Dawkins and Carl Sagan, they have done a lot more to bring people out of Islamic fundamentalism than people like Majid Nawaz or any other type of reformist. Because that introducing people to the cosmos, introducing people to YouTube videos of Richard Dawkins, that has convinced a lot more people out of Richard uh, out of out of Islam than than people that are lying to you. Yeah. That are basically here's the thing. If you're an atheist and you go tell people to consider the Quran to mean something else, where you know that this book is bullshit you're actively lying to people you're you're being on purpose dishonest to people can you say and people can see that can you say though as you're reforming it can you say i don't think anything in this book is true or even worth reading right but if you are going to don't hurt people Okay, first of all, if somebody wasn't, if, if somebody was uh, already, if somebody buys that argument, okay, yeah, yeah. they were already somebody that is not going to hurt a per person. Right. If that book is true and they want to take it seriously, what, 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 your, your word is against God's word. Why yeah, would I if take you your said, word? If, if you said that to some fundamentalist uh, Muslims, hmm. they would want you dead. Right. 
I mean, or all fundamentalists. I mean, just Muslim. just put yourself uh, no, just put yourself in a position of somebody that is think that this is that thinks this is the word of God. Okay, it, it now there's one of the ones that are peaceful. Okay, is because they have they first of all most people are peaceful. Most Muslims are peaceful, but most Muslims don't even know the Quran and they don't take it seriously. And if you confront them with the Quran, they try to either ignore it, and if you really pressure them to confront the Quran. Uh, they usually don't become extremists they become ex-Muslims okay that's what the result is usually right. but the ones that do take it seriously and do want to follow it and think that they do want to hurt other people because they want to follow it you telling them to not follow it is basically you telling them to go against the word of God what kind of like what is the success rate of that I mean I but aren't I you but aren't you telling if, if you take the uh, the Dawkins and Sagan approach by promoting science and and saying that you know there's there's no evidence for, for that book are, are you not uh, doing the same thing by telling them that no you know, because you, you're questioning the source I mean sure if you talk to fundamentalists right it, and these verses have been analyzed and discussed for for more than a thousand years by Muslims if you go and tr all of a sudden suggest but by way dumber people no by, by, if you think by of, smarter if you think of where we where by we are. smarter people than the reformists I mean the, the thing is that people that okay the, but come on but but if you think if you think if you go back a thousand years the amount of people that could even fucking read no I understand that but I'm just saying that Imagine if imagine you have Star Wars, right? And you know you build a universe, and you have you have what's canon and what's not canon. The thing is that you know this world is imaginary, but uh, the writers have built this world where there's an internal logic in it, right? Mm -hmm. There are some internal rules, right? If somebody all of a sudden, and then there's another world, but there's a Harry Potter world. Even though this is a fictional world, there's some in internal logic and consistency in it, right? If if you're writing if you're writing fan fiction based on Harry Potter world, and all of a sudden somebody pulls out a light lightsaber in the Harry Potter world people are like what the fuck is happening this is this doesn't make sense right you're mixing so what I'm saying is that imagine Harry Potter world and Star Wars world but for, for 1400 years writers if you think about Islam then you have the same kind of fictional world where you have people that call themselves scholars uh, thought about this world and come up with a lot of details about how this world, op world operates right so for you, all of a sudden, to after 1,400 years, come introduce some new concepts out of nowhere that by everybody can see that um, for, for 1,400 years, these were not what these, mes what these, world, what these messages, um, what these script scriptures said. Uh, and all of a sudden, the messages that you saying it's saying is in completely in contradiction to 1,400 years worth of analysis. And it so happens to be exactly the same values as the Enlightenment and the modern values that we have. Just happened to we just figured out that right now, after 1,400 years, these are these are what these books were supposed to say. And it ha so happens to be the Western Western Enlightenment values, right? And people can see that you're full of shit. People can see that you're full of shit. The Muslim fundamentalists can see that they, they, laugh, they laugh at your arguments. Your arguments make no sense. I mean, it's becoming as ridiculous as looking at the word Zaraba and everybody, anybody that speaks Arabic can know that, but in that context, it, see, it means hit when, it, when the verse that says that you're supposed to hit your wife. And people are saying that this means walk towards to. And any, everybody looks at that, the hadith around that, the, the context that mentioned that. 
And they could say, like, what are you talking about? They know that the Muslims are not even your audience because the Muslims that take these things seriously, they know that this is not that this is not what it's saying. So your audience must be non-Muslims that you're trying to mask this uh, the Quran, you know, try to try to tell non-Muslims that Islam has a chance. You're not trying to tell Muslims that Islam has a chance. You're trying Islam has to change. You're telling non-Muslims that's your audience. Yeah, I mean, this is a conversation I want to have you and Majid have on stage because <laughs> I think, you know, it, I think it's highly important. Mm -hmm. I think it's really important. And I know you think you have it in the bag. Yeah. And no. I bet Majid feels the same. Yeah. Because, I mean, he he's put so much effort into this pursuit. And he, he believes it wholeheartedly. And you're both very reasonable people. So I think this is naturally an event that <laughs> just has to happen. I don't know if you would agree to it. Though. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm convinced. Like, I, I mean, I hold a non-reformist position when it comes to Islam. And I am much the Sagan and... Dawkins approach and I and I really think the promotion of science but not not the promotion of art and science the penguin philosophy um, the combination of those two that is the antidote to anti-reason exactly and and that is how because uh, you, you have to have it's so important to have the art displayed as well uh, when you're going at these issues because people who have relied on these things to, for the for this that source of inspiration I was talking about that charge, mm. they're going to be looking uh, for mystical, imaginary, you know, things and beings and stuff that they can hold on to or or, or imaginary thoughts about things, and and this is what the artistic outlet can be. Mm. They it gives them this outlet to create music, to create dance, to create, you know. Uh, paintings, whatever they have to do, even even if they don't even create it uh, outside their mind, they can think about it. Uh, and then the big epiphany is when you realize that the things you're imagining aren't actually in reality, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. the, the, the problem is, is that people don't think it's okay to think about if, if you want to think about an imaginary imaginary world where there's gods and or or a god and and they care for you and and feel for you don't attribute that belief into your scientific or view of reality or or let it or let it infect your reality keep it in the imaginary realm but if, if if you don't think it's imaginary, why wouldn't you? Um, That's what I'm saying. Right. You, it's, the, the important thing is to realize that it's okay to have these imaginary wishes and thoughts, but those are, in fact, imaginary. Yeah, uh, that's okay. That's the difference, though. The the fact that you, if you treat it as imagine, if you treat it as imagine, if you know that it's imaginary, you can keep them as great as stories. It's just like uh, I really, yeah. yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Is that is that 
keep keep it as art right but that's the main difference between uh, reform and actually what we're trying to do right because people say well people are not ready to give away everything about islam or about their culture like that you can keep everything as long as it's rec- recognized that it's not real be a cultural muslim right. there's many of them right. there's so many cultural jews there's cultural christians there's cultural santa claus believers there are there are cultural leprechaunists hmm. there are cultural almost anything yep. and and you can i, I mean it's just it, it's it's for a lack of trying right and that is something that, that i will always remember that sam harris says in one of his very famous speeches it's like um it's like i can't imagine a world wh- where god doesn't exist well just try it for a moment actually try mm. Yeah, and and I I do think sometimes it's just for a lack of trying. Well, and, and I think the reform movement is the, the, the lack of trying. I mean, this is this is what we think it's the main difference. The main difference is the belief, right? Not whether you believe something harmful or less harmful or something that is threatening or not. Is your beliefs based on reality or not? That's the difference. The truth matters. Truth matters. We're fighting for the what whatever bullshit people are selling. No matter how much you think it's harmful or not, it needs to be challenged. Because if you allow people, if you accept people believing in bullshit that you find harmless, you're also opening the door to bullshit that is harmful. So if you're a fundamentalist Muslim, can you get away with looking at porn? Um, yeah, I mean, this. well, okay, so now we're going into Islamic law. The thing sure. is, yeah, I mean, you can, um, you just sinned. Uh, and now, the, but you have to do toba, which is um, ask God for forgiveness. And if you really mean it, then it will be forgiven. And if you, if it's not forgiven, then you're gonna get punished for it in the afterlife. But it's gonna be a temporary punishment. There are, there is are, everything forgiven? Depend. Well, if if you're honest, if if you're sincere. No, shirk is not forgiven. Shirk is like having um, uh, partners for God. And this is why Sunnis really hate Shias because uh, Sunnis consider uh, Shias to have partners for God because Shias um, pray to their imams and they consider their imams holy. So shirk is an unforgivable sin. Yeah. What about, uh, I haven't ever looked into this, maybe you have. Um, what about like uh, fundamentalist Muslim sex? Like, is there, <laughs> are there sexual acts? or positions or anything like are there are there are there um uh you know people out there talking about the way that yeah. fundamentalists should be having sex yeah i mean islam is such a all-encompassing religion is covered this is why it frustrates me when people say islam is islam political or not uh, like islam is supposed to take over everything in your so, life yeah i would say it's fucking political <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, not just politics over how you sleep how you have sex what you eat how you take how do you take how you how you take a dump it, it has rules for everything how, when you go to the washroom which which foot you uh, take first uh, like which step you, uh, you have to go into the washroom with your left foot first instead of your right foot how, what are you serious yeah and and, the, and this is written somewhere yes there's a lot who the fuck took time <laughs> to write that down if there's anything that someone should have freedom for <laughs> it should be taking a shit the way you want oh, like no. come on like that there's that a, almost makes me more mad than anything else <laughs> there's rules for how to wipe your ass 
Yeah, and it needs to, needs to be water. Um, if there's no water, then you have to use, um, you know, sand. Uh, <laughs> no, you there's have to rules. Use sand. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're gonna wipe your ass with sand. Yeah, there's rules for everything. There's rules for how to, uh, the, like, uh, are camels accepted for having sex with? Right? Like, what kind? You know, what? Which animals are okay? What if you? <laughs> what if you've grabbed an interpretation? Like, there should be the the joke interpretation and copy of the Quran so that you can say like you have to wipe your ass with a camel. Well, most and of then you can then you can hand that to your buddy and then he all of a sudden you see him wiping his ass with a camel. <laughs> just well, like uh, swap it around well most of this is hadith to, the quran doesn't have that much rules in it the, there is some rules in it uh, but most of the rules come from the hadith and there's a lot more hadith than there is quran, uh, that than there is a scripture in the quran and this is uh, the, the huge disagreement between the Shias and Sunnis is also the source of their hadith. There are a few fringe groups of um, Muslims that are Quranist, which uh, they saying that the hadith even shouldn't be taken seriously. Everything should be the Quran, which uh, uh, Muslims have very good argument. I don't have to. Uh, the, there's a lot of good arguments for why they are they are not mainstream Islam. Right. Yeah. But but yeah, th there's a lot more. I mean, if you think a lot of people read the Quran and think like, what what the hell is that? That was bullshit. I'm like, you think that's bullshit. Read the Hadith. There's so many. There's stories about um, in the Hadith about Moses um, uh, running after a rock that stole his clothes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> after he dropped 10 tabs of acid. <laughs> No, there's a scene in there that he's naked and he's running after a rock with a stick and he's hitting the rock with a stick and uh, until today he hits the rock with with a stick so hard that even to this day there's mark on that rock with the Is it possible that, that the Quran was supposed to be a comedic document? <laughs> this is a fucking scene from Monty Python, this old <laughs> naked man running towards a rock saying it stole his clothes. Like Holy fuck, man! I, actually, it's it's interesting he said because uh, and Abu Bakr, the first Khalifa, before he before Muhammad died, there was the people uh, when Muhammad uh, told everybody that he went to heaven. Um, he went first to Jerusalem and then he rose to heaven. <laughs> <I'm> sorry, <laughs> I I I, do, I can't get over wiping your ass with sand. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just I mean for anyone that's had any like experience being naked on a beach or like <laughs> making love on a beach or you know you don't want sand no. anywhere anywhere right I, I i think i'm gonna keep bursting out laughing but sorry <laughs> continue no but but there is this part where um the, uh, people can't just can't believe it they're, they're like uh, muhammad they say muhammad he, muhammad tells people that last night i just went to heaven and i met moses and i met abraham and I met God. I got closer to God than anybody else, including uh, the angel Gabriel himself. Like Gabriel was so surprised that Muhammad actually went farther than him to God like, uh, because nobody thought that he could get that close to God ever. Uh, and Muhammad did. But then when he told this story to people... Was he on a winged horse? Yeah, well, not a horse. There's this, there's this creature that has a f human face and a, and a body of a um, horse and some wings. And actually, Gabriel... Uh, and when, he, when this creature actually saw Muhammad, he was 
uh, very shy to even look at it and gabriel was angry with the creature like this is the prophet like you know what what are you why act- uh, the story is getting into a lot of detail but but it's the making thing- me high and <laughs> listen to it. Listening to no, no but uh, but they come to abu uh, abu back and like do you really believe that muhammad just went into the sky just last night on a winged horse and and abu back actually responds like hey listen we already accepted a whole bunch of other stories from muhammad right <laughs> he told, he says god speaks to him and we already agreed to that what is this is this really that much more than all than is this <laughs> really that much more than moses <laughs> running around naked with a stick and fucking wiping his ass with sand and beating a rock like that's, <laughs> holy fuck <laughs> here's the thing though when you accept but abu back i think if the, if abu back actually said that he's he's i don't know if he said that because a lot of these ideas were added later but if if he said that he was he was totally right because once you open the door to magic and superstition right if you don't have the filter of logic and the filter of evidence what control do you have on what makes it in after that this is what i again what i have a problem with reformers they're like let's just people believe in peaceful things instead of harmful things you already took away the filter of evidence what how what are you gonna how are you gonna control where it's gonna land <laughs> what <laughs> you're imagining <laughs> you're you're arguing with someone that's wiping their ass with sand. <laughs> I can't. I can't. <laughs> that is just oh man i just i gotta try it i mean i shouldn't be knocking it i've never tried wiping my ass with sand i mean maybe it's but Maybe they, uh, that's the way to go. They because they come up with every, the thing is these fat flaws and all these rules come out and they have to come up with every scenario, right? So people constantly ask, right? They're like, okay, I'm supposed to use water, okay? And so they question, what if there is no water, right? Uh, so that's why all these questions are always asked, and all that, that's why they're in Islam. There has to be an answer. There has to be an answer for every certain scenario. People have asked. Not, people in Islamic community have come up with questions like, "Okay, um, what if we're in space? How do we how do we pray towards the Kaaba then?" Right? right. So they come up with all these scenarios. Like, what if we li- what if what do what are Muslims Muslims on Mars? We're gonna we're gonna have that. We, that's gonna happen one that day. That sounds like a wicked movie, actually. <laughs> right. Sounds like like those wars to end all wars movie. <laughs> the Muslims are invading from Mars. But but they already came up with rulings for these because they they're trying to prepare ahead of times. When yeah. when saying when we have Muslims on Mars, how are we gonna pray towards the Kaaba, right? And people have asked. Okay, now the, okay. So the 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 uh, Earth is a sphere, right? So we know that if you're praying. And you're supposed to be pointing towards the Kaaba. Actually, it's not going towards the Kaaba because it's going to space because the Earth is not flat, right? So, we're, how does that work then? How if no Muslim is pointing towards Kaaba when they're praying? So it's I can't gravity. believe that they're even worried about this. It's like <laughs> you can't even sort out your own fucking society. It's like yeah, you're still beating people and fucking killing people for no no good reason, and you're worried about what you're going to do when you get to Mars? <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah, like, uh, even worse, what if there's no sand on Mars to wipe your ass? You're going to be using a jagged space rock. See, you know, uh, when I went to... Uh, there's in, in Qom and in Zahra University, in, um, there are thousands of thousands of books written on... Every, 
every single detail that you could think about Islam. And there's a, there are thousands of people throughout history that have dedicated their lives to think about these things. Imagine all this time and energy and in, in amount of intellectual real estate as you think as you say like in iran right now i was seeing a picture on facebook about about this you know a lot of people in iran are now having uh, starving and having uh, are suffering because of drought because of inflation right and what i was seeing that they were building this gorgeous university that was completely dedicated to islamic studies so much government funding was going yeah. into building this university and i like this is and people when they think about the cost of religion and the cost of islam people always think about ex explosions and beheadings oh, they yeah. don't think about these these su more subtle costs which is much more if you add these all of these costs the amount of the intellectual real estate yeah. the amount of funding the amount cash. of resources yeah, cash the amount of the amount of people that are not with the the with the person that they love, the amount of uh, kids that have been disowned by their fathers, the amount of all these—if you add all these costs and all this misery together—they're much more than just that suicide bombing and, uh, and uh, the, the other things that people think about when they think about religion. And that's why I have a problem with reform because reform is only trying to address this headline news issues. When you see a, a bombing in London or something, or that's what they're trying to address. The, the main cost of religion which is all these subtle non-newsworthy costs of religion they're still going to be there that's and that's not going to be addressed by reform by 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 telling people to just doubt doubt their ideology you're addressing both of them and people are like oh reform is a baby step okay reform is a baby step maybe the next step is atheism no reform is not a baby step it's a step in the wrong direction it's a step in the in the selling of religion it's just in the it's a step in the promoting of superstition that's what it if you want baby steps, doubt. Doubt is a baby step. And people are like, oh, Armin, you're such an atheist fundamentalist, right? You're, you want atheism what or nothing else. What the fuck else. does that mean? <laughs> they say like, you, you basically, you want atheism or nothing else. Nothing else is accepted. No, like, no, if you want baby steps, go with doubt. Go with skepticism. Just ask people, is it possible that you're wrong? That's a baby step. And it's a baby step. And it's also intellectually honest. You're not lying to people. You're not telling people. You're not, you're, as an atheist, you're not selling religion. When did the atheist act, uh, atheist movement become a movement for selling a religion this is why i'm so frustrated with atheists that are backing the reform movement you are atheists that think you're good enough to know that this is bullshit but you're not going to give this other people the same opportunity yeah. you make a compelling argument <laughs> um yeah man we talked about a lot i think um we're going to cut off the podcast there. Thanks for coming on Armin. We're yeah. going to, we're going to do so many of these. Like yeah. <laughs> I, I could, I, I, we could chat forever. forever and, yeah. and I'm interested in, I'm going to go to my computer right now <laughs> and I'm going to Google, uh, wiping your ass with <laughs> sand. But also I want to know if there's any other tenants in any other religions that tells you how to wipe your ass or if that's the only one. Because I mean, I'm so what you need to look for is, is what's najis in Islam. There's like nine or 11 things that are considered spiritually unclean. Oh, okay. And that's why, uh, that's why there's rulings for what to do with wiping ass because shit is one of them. And right. uh, actually, okay, it's shit, blood, piss, cum, um, and also pigs, dogs, and non-Muslims. <laughs> so <laughs> so non-Muslims, dead bodies... Um, these are things that if you touch, um, not if you touch a non-Muslim, you have to wash where you touch the non-Muslim. So if you shake the hands of a non-Muslim, 
you have to wash your hand before you wow. can pray man I, I don't i i i suggest a muslim doesn't shake my hand because it will take them years to get that stink off <laughs> But, All right, man. Well, thanks so much yeah. for coming on. Uh, this has been the Penguin Philosophy Podcast and let art and science inspire. <laughs>